welcome to another episode of Geeks Crossing. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host and your real estate agent for the day as we traverse more Mario worlds. We've journeyed through the worlds inside the paintings of Super Mario 64 and blasted through the stars to rank the galaxies of both Super Mario Galaxy games, based on which would be most fit for human habitation. Now we're finally returning to Earth, or at least the greater Earth area, to rank the kingdoms of Super Mario Odyssey. For those unfamiliar, in this miniseries, I rank the main locations of Super Mario games not by the enjoyability factor of playing them or the replay value or the music or anything like that, but instead by the potential for human settlement. Which locations would kill the average human being in an instant, and which would provide a comfortable existence should one decide to settle down? And what a breath of fresh air this game is, because Super Mario Galaxy actually divides its world into kingdoms that are, for the most part, actually inhabited and have real infrastructure and everything. There's even brochures in the menu telling you the highlights of each kingdom. It's like the developers finally got the hint that what gamers really wanted all this time was high quality real estate. Yes, this is the final installment of my silly little miniseries ranking Mario worlds based on human livability with the final chapter into the big Mario 3D platformer genre. Well, final for now since it's been, geez, almost five years since the release of Super Mario Odyssey. Wow. Hope Nintendo will gift us another entry into this wonderful series at some point in the next couple of years, meaning a return to my amateur real estate career. But until then, this is our final episode. I started this series at the end of summer 2021, so now that we're in summer 2022, it's bittersweet to see it come to an end after almost a whole year. But all good things must come to an end, and that includes the Mario real estate market. So let's not waste any more time. Super Mario Galaxy and its sequels had roughly 50 worlds apiece for me to rank. So Super Mario Odyssey's count of 15 kingdoms is quite a relief. And this is also the first time we're ranking a game with no hub world. No, the ship doesn't count. It's more like a towed starship in that it's a means to get to real estate rather than real estate itself. At least that's how I've been doing things. We're also not counting the worlds inside those pipes as separate worlds. You know, the ones miles from civilization or otherwise in a weird void of colors. We're focusing on the main worlds and the main worlds alone because I don't know how on earth I would do that. <laughs> So pick your favorite kingdoms from the game and let's see if you got an eye for real estate. The actual status of worst kingdom for human development is a close race between the moon kingdom and the cloud kingdom for what I hope are pretty obvious reasons. Yes, yes, I know Mario and the other characters in this universe can breathe on the moon and walk on clouds, but again, we're talking average real human beings here. Would average real human beings be comfortable on the moon with no astronaut training or spacesuits? Well, we've been talking about establishing some sort of base on the moon for half a century at this point and have been thus far unable to do so. So what do you think? And yeah, I, I know I ranked a lot of the galaxies from the galaxy games without considering the need for oxygen, but the moon kingdom is much more realistic in its portrayal of the moon. It's gigantic with weak gravity and nothing but the black void of space. Even if there was oxygen, this would not be a very easy place to live. And I'm counting the dark side and the darker side as part of the moon kingdom since they're all on the moon and thus they all have the problems of simple breathing. The cloud kingdom isn't a good fit because a kingdom with nothing but a few small clouds that's really just designed for one boss fight, if we're being honest with ourselves, <laughs> would also be bad if we as a species could walk on clouds or breathe really high in the air. But we can't do that, so this quote-unquote kingdom is literally just a random portion of the sky. That's it. Alright, now moving on from the unforgiving void of space and the unforgiving layer of the sky directly below space, I rank the Ruined Kingdom. The Ruined Kingdom looks like it could have been something a thousand years ago. The spires Mario traverses seem to indicate this used to be some sort of grand fortress or even a majestic castle of some kind. Unfortunately, we are not seeing this kingdom in its prime. Far from it. Nowadays, the Ruined Kingdom is 
Well, it's as the name suggests. The once glamorous kingdom is nothing but rubble. And though one could navigate these giant spires, it's close to a certain death if there's even one screw-up. The two most likely causes of death being plunging to your death in the bottomless void. No Mario game is a stranger to bottomless pits, it seems. Or getting attacked and eaten by a giant dragon. Oh, did I forget to mention that? The fact that the only inhabitant of this kingdom is an absolutely enormous fire-breathing dragon? The very dragon who destroyed the kingdom in the first place and reduced it to its ruined state? The dragon's ridiculously large size is something of a benefit since you could probably hide inside a room of one of the crumbling towers and he'll never be the wiser. But on the other hand, there's always a possibility the dragon could just accidentally crush you or your home to smithereens without even realizing it. So yes, you can actually stand here and breathe here, unlike in the Cloud Kingdom or the Moon Kingdom, but life in the Ruined Kingdom would be a pitiful, lonely, and terrifying existence. On every list so far, the Bowser worlds have gotten ranked towards the bottom, but not quite at the bottom, and old habits die hard. Well, unless you count the Moon Kingdom as the Bowser world, in which case, the Bowser world actually got dead last this time around. But I digress. Fourth from the bottom on this list is Bowser's Kingdom. Now, for starters, there is a semblance of an actual functioning civilization here. There are buildings. Those buildings are intact. You can walk around, and since this is a location on the Mario version of Earth, you can presumably breathe the air. Those are pluses this low on the list. Bowser's Kingdom in Super Mario Odyssey is constantly referenced as one of the most unique and original Bowser worlds, where instead of just darkness and lava, there's a unique aesthetic based on feudal Japan. Of course, if one considers the Moon Kingdom the true Bowser world of this game, then yeah, it's a Bowser world full of darkness and lava. But originality doesn't mean better livability. Bowser's Kingdom has architecture and buildings that one could conceivably enter, but the main drawback is, unlike most of the other kingdoms in this game, Bowser's Kingdom is surrounded by a gigantic bottomless pit. Though thinking about it, since this kingdom is on a planet, there is bound to be a bottom down there somewhere, but it sure is a long fall. In a sign of just how hospitable the worlds of this game are compared to the other games in the 3D Mario series, there are huge flat areas one could build a home for oneself here, probably bigger than most of the flat spaces in either Galaxy game. I'm thinking particularly of that huge circular arena where you fight the Robo-Brutals. Oh yeah, now seems as good a time as any to talk about the Bowser part of Bowser's Kingdom. I'm not really sure how Bowser feels about the average human. If he actually hates any good-minded person, or if he just has a specific thing against Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom due to his affection for Princess Peach. But due to this uncertainty, I'm not really super comfortable settling down in Bowser's Kingdom. Because at best I'd feel paranoid, and at worst there'd be a huge army of goons ready to take me out at a moment's notice. Have you seen those giant thwomp-looking things walking around with those huge mallets? What a horrible way to go out. So let's leave Bowser's Kingdom behind as a potentially hospitable but probably avoidable area and move on to one of the most popular worlds in the game, the Lost Kingdom. Who doesn't want their own private tropical island? Sounds like a dream come true, doesn't it? Well, sure, if you don't mind being surrounded on all sides by a sea of dense, swampy poison. There is a whole island you can keep mostly to yourself. Keep out of the way of Klepto the Giant Condor, who is fortunately more interested in grabbing shiny keepsakes than in striking killing blows. The threat level of the wildlife probably isn't too crazy if you know where to go, but there's just something about an island in the middle of a poison sea that doesn't seem that attractive in real estate. Does the poison seep into the air? How difficult is it to breathe on this lost island after a few hours or days, let alone years? The Lost Kingdom may seem like a lost slice of paradise, but once you're enveloped in the thick poisonous water and the low smog, you'll be rushing back to civilization. Up next is the Luncheon Kingdom. You guys know the drill by now. Lava worlds don't get ranked highly because human beings physically can't deal with lava. 
Just because the lava happens to be pink doesn't change the fact that you die a horrible, agonizing death from falling into it. Of course, the Luncheon Kingdom is a special kind of lava world. There are friendly locals, fascinating architecture, and a great amount of delicious-looking food to assure you that you'd never go hungry here. The sky isn't dark or brooding or peppered with ash, but instead bright, cheerful, and clear. And though there are precarious jumps in some places, unlike in Lethal Lava Land or the Melty Molten Galaxy, the platforms one could walk on are large and provide not only safe travel, but also plenty of space to build a home. Get some bridges and staircases built, and you only have a very minimal chance of falling into the lava. That said, if a real estate agent was showing me a location that only provided a minimal chance of falling into lava, I would probably not want to move in. <laughs> Plus, there's an active volcano, and you know my policy about living right next to an active volcano. It's the same as anyone's policy on living next to an active volcano. Unlike other lava worlds in Mario games, which you could go your whole life without seeing, the Luncheon Kingdom feels like it'd be a really fun place to visit, especially during its big festival. But I think a visit would be enough for me, and settling down would be a pretty tall order. Food pun intended. <laughs> Up next, we find ourselves jumping from mostly late-stage kingdoms to one of the very first kingdoms into which Mario steps foot. Yes, the Cascade Kingdom is one of the most beautiful kingdoms in this game, with its massive waterfall and beautiful skybox vistas. It would be a good place to gather fossils if you wanted to sell them to museums, or even try your hand at reconstructing a complete fossil yourself. There's not too many enemies around other than chain chomps, and since they're chained up, they shouldn't be too big of an issue. You can imagine building a house about any size you want in many of the free spaces in this kingdom. Perhaps on top of the cliffs, where one would be safe from danger, assuming Madame Brutal isn't just chilling here at all times. Wait, did I just say danger? What could there possibly be to worry about? I already noted that the chain chops are tied up. Well, let's get to the elephant in the room, or in this case, the Tyrannosaurus in the room. According to the in-game brochure for the Cascade Kingdom, this is a kingdom full of dinosaurs. The most glaring of these is the Tyrannosaurus Rex, which has claimed most of this area for itself. Put aside the fact that there's a dinosaur pretty much waiting for you the second you arrive in the Cascade Kingdom. The idea that there's more of them everywhere is nightmare-inducing. Has anyone ever sat through Jurassic Park and said to themselves, Yeah, I'd love to build myself a little home in this park. Of course not! I still think the clifftops above the waterfall are a safe and fairly large location to build a comfortable home, since the T-Rex can't seem to get up there. But if I lived here, I'd be looking over my shoulder constantly. And guys, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's the last of the completely unforgiving worlds. I'm serious. With those six kingdoms out of the way, Moon, Cloud, Ruined, Lost, Luncheon, and Cascade, and Luncheon and Cascade admittedly have some real pros, we've taken out the six really questionable kingdoms and found ourselves with eight that we know are fairly hospitable since they actually are settled by advanced civilizations. The first of these civilizations is the Snow Kingdom. Look, I feel bad putting the Snow Kingdom this low because the little Russian polar bear seal creatures are some of my favorite locals in the game. The town of Shiveria, buried under the unforgiving snow, is a little slice of heaven. And this is a kingdom with culture, as you can enjoy watching the Shiverian Bound Bowl, a local sport which one needs to see to believe. But for all of its strengths, there sure are a lot of faults to living in the Snow Kingdom. Even underground, I'm certain it's always a little cold, and snow seems to get everywhere, which sounds extremely uncomfortable. And other than this little town, the rest of the kingdom is a frozen wilderness, with icy seas and constant blistering blizzards. There's a reason I'm not looking to pack up and move to northern Alaska. Yes, it's hospitable, but there's quite a few places on Earth that are more hospitable. No offense to any Geeks Crossing listeners from northern Alaska. Big shout out. After the Snow Kingdom, I ranked the Cap Kingdom, the first world in Super Mario Odyssey, and the world where Mario meets Cappy. So, some pros. The Cap Kingdom doesn't have a polar climate, or lava, or dinosaurs, or dragons, or a poison sea, and it seems Mario can breathe just fine and walk around. All good things. The locals of the Cap Kingdom are kind and courteous, and the skybox shows that this is a highly populated land. 
So let's talk about cons. The Cap Kingdom is a dark and gloomy place where the fog never goes away and the sun never seems to come out. That's quite concerning, given the sun is what we use for warmth and food production. But let's just pretend for a minute that we're just seeing it at night all the time and the sun does come out. There are more cons. Like most of the worlds I've already discussed, there's the threat of falling to your doom. There is a guardrail, but as someone who isn't a big fan of heights, one look down the foggy abyss will immediately make me feel uneasy. Plus, and this is just a minor gripe, there is something mildly uneasy about being a human, living among a species of body snatchers. I know the Cap Kingdom natives are kind and gentle, and they wouldn't dare take over your body without asking politely first. But there is something mildly terrifying about living in a place where you could seize being yourself at a moment's notice. Moving on from the foggy, gloomy Cap Kingdom, up next I rank the arid, hot Sand Kingdom, another fairly early location in the game. The sun is beaming, and you don't have to deal with the inhospitable cold of the Snow Kingdom, unless you come here during the main story of Super Mario Odyssey, but we're assuming we're just seeing the Sand Kingdom on a perfectly normal day. The Sand Kingdom is a large expanse of sand. Yeah, I'm shocked too. With some notable exceptions. A small town, large ruins, a little oasis, a poisonous lake or two, and more than one bottomless canyon. Some of these features are attractive. The little oasis seems like a nice place to relax and cool down from the heat. And the little town is a vibrant and bustling place full of music and cheer from the friendly locals. But then on the other hand, you have to be on the lookout for the giant ravines and the deadly toxic lakes, as well as the bullet bills that patrol the ruins. And on top of all that, you spend your days walking on hot sand, which anyone can tell you can be very annoying if you don't have the right shoes for it. So while this world certainly isn't the worst, and one could make a perfectly fine time of living here, as well as anyone could live in actual Mexico or even the southwest United States, which has a very similar climate and environment, you know, minus the whole bottomless pit and poison lake thing, though. And the Sand Kingdom seems like it would make a pretty decent place to settle down. But we're not looking for decent, we're looking for the best. And our top five kingdoms in Super Mario Odyssey for human real estate and development are truly a cut above the rest, with pleasant climates and less deadly hazards. To start off our final five, we have the Wooded Kingdom. At a glance, this is a world with little in the way of cons. A huge, sprawling forest with just enough metal and machinery to make a human being feel safe enough to settle. The view is gorgeous, as large mountains dot the landscape in the clear blue sky. There are flowers everywhere, meaning the Wooden Kingdom probably smells amazing. And there's also just the simple joy of being at one with nature, which you'll always be as you sit in the shade of a tall pine tree and watch the birds fly to and fro. Sounds like paradise, right? Well, it's too good to be true. To start, there's areas in the Wooded Kingdom with real perils, ranging from rivers of liquid poison to the steep cliffside. The robotic natives seem friendly enough, and I do like them, but a human being would go mad if his or her only companions were androids, so be prepared to bring a friend if you're moving to the Wooded Kingdom. Also, it is super buggy here, I'm sure, which, if you know me... That's a real con. <laughs> Elephant in the room, again. The Wooded Kingdom is another one of nature's mistakes in which dinosaurs survived past extinction, and at least one T-Rex lurks through the underbrush. Sure, the brochure doesn't advertise a ton of living dinosaurs like the Cascade Kingdom, but I'm still weary. That's an awful lot of flaws for a kingdom that ranked itself number five, and the explanation is that these flaws aren't too crazy. The poison area can be avoided, even cleaned up. If you don't wander by the edge of the cliff, you shouldn't have much to fear in the way of falling. Bringing more people means you'll have folks to talk to other than robots. Bugs are everywhere. You're always going to find bugs, unfortunately. And from what we've seen, the T-Rex has no way of getting to the top of the main steam gardens area. So all other dinophobes breathe a sigh of relief. These are real flaws, which keeps the Wooded Kingdom from getting any higher, but they're not incapacitating. Up next, we have the Lake Kingdom. The Lake Kingdom is home to a beautiful, serene lake environment with an extravagant underwater society that the average human will unfortunately be unable to plausibly live in, but could possibly visit with some effort. 
Despite the fact that this kingdom's main attraction is a highly advanced underwater mermaid society that's also the fashion capital of the Mario world, yes, that is a sentence I just said, there's still plenty the average human could enjoy here. There's a ton of land to settle for house construction and agriculture, and since this kingdom's Lake Lamode is contained within a canyon, perhaps one could go a little further up the mountainside and construct houses up there. Kind of like what I said about Dire Dire Docks. Wow, we've really come a long way since Dire Dire Docks, huh? In spite of the Lake Kingdom being mostly comprised of a giant lake, you could do a lot worse than this beautiful scenic vista, home to a safe, clean body of water for swimming and a friendly race of locals. Plus, there's no risk of falling to one's death, which is always a huge plus in a Mario game. The bronze medal will probably be a surprise in this list, and that's because I'm giving it to the Metro Kingdom. That's right, the only world across any of these 3D Mario games to actually have a human civilization, and I'm ranking it third for human real estate. Leave it to me to make such an insane decision. Insane, perhaps, but not irrational. I have my reasoning, but first, let's go through the obvious pros of the Metro Kingdom for human settlement. It's literally already been settled by humans. Hard to do much better than that. Any human coming to the Mario world would be right at home in the Metro Kingdom, which is basically a copy-paste of New York City, but with some Mario additions. Dozens, but possibly millions, of human beings exist to befriend and live amongst. There are so many possible places to live, I couldn't even begin to count them, but there are also street performers and parks and just ways to entertain oneself. Really is like the Big Apple, huh? Well, yes, and just like how the Metro Kingdom is like a New York City with a touch of Mario, it also has the problems of a New York City with a touch of Mario. Look, any real estate agent could tell you, New York City real estate sucks. <laughs> the starting point of New Donk City that Mario visits in the game is a large cube-shaped platform with deadly drops on every side. Meaning, if you're not careful, you could plunge to your death in this supposedly safe and civilized city. Uh, supposedly safe, civilized city, try saying that three times fast. But okay, we can clearly tell from the skybox that there's more to this kingdom, and most of it probably doesn't contain the risk of walking off a sidewalk and dropping 200 feet from the air. Well, okay. But that just leads to another problem. I'm really not a big fan of city living. Don't get me wrong, I like a visit to the city just fine, but New York City especially is a huge, bustling place that, to me, feels just a little cramped and overwhelming sometimes. Well, the Metro Kingdom seems to stretch limitlessly, which would probably just add to that overwhelming factor. This kingdom is gigantic, and it would feel like being caught in an immense maze just to traverse it. If you like city living, it would be hard to beat the Metro Kingdom. Just be careful not to fall to your death should you visit the main plaza. However, if the idea of living in a huge, sprawling city kind of skeeves you out or intimidates you, then rest assured, you're in good company. And that's why the Metro Kingdom ranks third. Now, I think the final two worlds are probably neck and neck, but in the end, I think second place and runner-up status goes to the Seaside Kingdom. Yeah, I know, that's probably incredibly surprising. The Seaside Kingdom is set on a beautiful beach inspired by southern France with crystal clear waters and even hot springs. Hot springs! I ranked a beach world with hot springs in second place? What on earth am I thinking? Well, it's the ocean. The ocean in the Seaside Kingdom is limitless to make up for the fact that there's no bottomless pits, but that leads to its own problems. I mean, there's seaweed monsters and those all-familiar terrifying giant eels lurking right at the beach. Who knows what else could swim up to shore? Plus, as a dude who's not the biggest fan of bugs, I'm not jumping to go live amongst a bunch of snails. They're friendly, and I'm sure they'd grow on me, of course, but still, I don't know. Is that like the Mario equivalent of racism? I hope not. Would the Seaside Kingdom be an excellent place to live? Undoubtedly. The second best place to live in the whole game, and probably one of the best places to live out of all the Mario games. But for me, if it's between this and the number one spot, I think I'd rather vacation in the Seaside Kingdom than live here full time. And my number one choice is the Mushroom Kingdom. What can I say? You can't beat the classics. 
Okay, so you have to watch your step regarding the steep cliffs, and there's no tropical beaches, but the Super Mario Odyssey iteration of the Mushroom Kingdom is a wonderful place for human settlement. There's tons of space, particularly if you look at the beautiful rolling hills in the distance. The only dangers are Goombas, and even the Mushroom Kingdom brochure recognizes that they're really not much to worry about. With a temperate climate, plenty of elbow room, and the most famous race in all of Mario, the Friendly Toads, is it any wonder that the Mushroom Kingdom has once again found itself at the top of a list on Mario Real Estate? Throwback to the Super Mario 64 Real Estate episode, and you'll recall I ranked Peach's Castle and the Castle Grounds as the best world in the game, and the Grand Finale Galaxy was my top pick for Super Mario Galaxy Worlds. Now, the worlds of Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Galaxy were much less homeowner-friendly than those of Super Mario Odyssey, but it's still nice to see that the developers have really gone above and beyond to portray this famous hub world as a safe, homely, and comfortable world every single time they put it in a game. So I guess that's the ultimate lesson to be learned from this miniseries. If you need to move somewhere in the Mario universe, wait until Mario defeats Bowser and saves Peach, and then when the smoke clears, get on Zillow and start house hunting in the Mushroom Kingdom. You just listened to another episode of Geeks Crossing. What do you think of this ranking, and of the Super Mario real estate series in general? Let me know in our Discord server, or DM us on Instagram. Link is in the description of this episode, as always. Please continue to support us wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that be on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Podcasts, or any other major podcasting platforms. Be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially any Mario fans in your life, as well as any real estate agents you know, because I'd be genuinely curious to get their takes on this stuff. And if you really can't get enough of us geeks, support the others on Twitch. Keith at Nuclear Bacons, Nick at Cryptolock Gaming, and Eric at E-Man the Legendary, which is also the name of his YouTube channel where you can watch more concise clips of his streams. Our favorite fifth member, Tyler, is also on Twitch at CarrotByteGaming. My name is Matt, and thank you so much for listening to my miniseries. series. <laughs>